0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast, where we talk about all things related to athletic performance, rehabilitation, and wellness. My name is Michael Falk, and I will not be hosting the episode again today. I am actually going to be the guest. So uh, Ben Heller, who is a uh, pitcher that is currently with the Tampa Bay Rays organization, is going to be the host of the podcast and he is actually interviewing me. Um, We dive into kind of my career story. Um, We talk about the start of kinetic sports medicine and then we talk quite a bit about working with baseball players on the physical therapy standpoint. So um, hopefully you guys enjoy getting to know me a little bit better through this episode.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. We've got a really special podcast today. And as I'm sure you can notice, I'm not one of your normal hosts. My name is Ben Heller, and I'm going to be your host today. I'm an MLB pitcher and a longtime patient and friend of Kinetic Sports. And I have the honor and privilege today of interviewing none other than Michael Falk. So, Michael, thanks for allowing me to uh, have the opportunity to come turn the tables and uh, let let the listeners get to know you a little bit more.
0: Yeah, no, this will be fun. I uh, I don't get interviewed that, that often for the own, own podcast. So I'm excited to have somebody else take over hosting duties for a day and just get to uh, sit back and chat. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So I've known Michael for a long time. I've had probably several hundred hours <laughs> with him uh, picking his brain. And um, I can say, you know, he's he is, His knowledge and um, understanding of sports medicine and sports and, and business, many things, is second to none. So I'm excited for, for listeners to kind of get a glimpse into that. Um, before we begin, just a quick background on Michael for those who may not know. He's the founder of Kinetic Sports Medicine and Performance. He completed his undergraduate studies at Marquette University and went on to work as an athletic trainer for the Green Bay Packers for two seasons for deciding to continue his education at Marquette and become a doctor of physical therapy. Throughout his career, Michael has worked with athletes from many different professional sports leagues, including the NFL, MLB, NBA, MLS, and NCAA Division I athletes. Michael is also an educator teaching in the athletic training and physical therapy programs at Marquette University. Michael has a passion for both helping athletes and helping mentor the next generation of clinicians. So, very impressive guy, (laughs) impressive resume. But Michael, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your own background as an athlete and kind of what got you interested in sports medicine?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think um, probably like many people in my field, um, I got hurt in high school. Um, So I was honestly, I was not a great athlete. Um, Just, you know, I'm not that physically talented. Um, I'm sort of average at like a lot of things. Like I can run for like, if I train to run a race, I can, I can run long distance. I could run sprints. I'm just like, not that fast. So I'm just kind of an average athlete. But as a kid, like I was always very coachable. So I I, like typically was a starter in my sports, not because I was like the best player, but I would do exactly what the coach told me to do. And I tried, I tried hard. I played hard. Um, and then I started having a knee injury and honestly it ended up being a pretty goofy knee injury that turned into um, I ended up with essentially like a chronic pain condition after the surgery um, that effectively ended my athletic career Um, and as a high school kid like it was pretty hard to go through that um, when I, I kind of identified as an athlete even though I wasn't like going to play professionally or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had an athletic trainer in my high school that kind of took me under his wing, I guess you'd say, and got me involved as a student trainer at my high school, which let me continue to go to games, go to practices, just be around it in a different way. And then from there, um, just sort of grew into like a passion and something that I thought I could do going forward with my with my life. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. I feel
1: like, um, you know, a lot of athletes kind of as they go through injuries and they maybe don't have the type of help that they they really need or in hindsight realize that they they wish they had. That's when they kind of
0: develop that passion for helping. The next
1: generation, that seems like it's kind of your case. Yeah,
0: no, exactly. It just kind of opens your eyes up to a field and the, that, um, I, you know, I think I knew even without the injury, like I knew I was never going to play professionally. Like I just wasn't, I didn't, it wasn't that good. <laughs> right? But um, I think as a kid, like you always wanted to stay in sports. And I think as I just started to be realistic about like, okay, I probably can't play professional lacrosse or football or basketball or whatever the case may be. Uh, but I could maybe be an athletic trainer for one of those teams or I, I, I'm not good enough to go play in college, but I could go be a part of a D1 college as a sports staff member. And so I think it was kind of a, in some ways, like just a way to stay around sports too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you, so you, you went, to Marquette University, high level Division One program, and immediately after undergrad, you went to uh, work for the Green Bay Packers. So you know, like you said, you, you weren't maybe able to continue your career as a player, but immediately following that shift, you um, you were able to you know find find your place in professional sports and working with high level athletes. Um, I'm curious, you know, what sort of things or takeaways did you have from like? your, that initial time, like working with high level athletes, both at Marquette and with the Packers.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was, um, like a great learning experience and at Marquette, we rotated to different sports So pretty much every semester or every sports season, you would go somewhere else. So you could, like I did, uh, men's soccer, women's soccer, I did women's volleyball, Um, and I did men's basketball. Um, I think that was all that I, the only sports that I was on full time. And so that was interesting to just rotate around, obviously, had different levels of budgets, different, um, like different head coaches still under the same athletic department, but they were run differently. And, um, so that was an interesting experience just to see all those things. And then um during my time as an intern in green bay um and during those seasons there you know it's it's a like relatively big business with like lots of coaches lots of support staff lots of players um and you know i think the most eye opening thing for me was granted marquette didn't have football but we still had a good basketball program like how different the athletes are at the professional level. Like every time that you go up from high school to college, it's a different level of athlete. And then the jump from D one athletics into professional athletics, like those dudes are just different. Like you've got 300 some odd offensive linemen walking around with six packs (laughs) and you've got like, um, how it doesn't even make sense how that's physically possible. Right. And I mean, they're <laughs> so fast. They're yeah. so big, so explosive. Yeah. Um, I mean, BJ Raji was there when I was there and that's a just huge human. And <laughs> to see how nimble and athletic he was and the moves that he could do, like, I mean, yeah. it was just, it's just a different level of yeah uh, person.
1: Oh, I can imagine it was, um, I mean, almost, had to be a little bit of a culture shock, like going from, um, you know, working like, you know, in a span of four years, you you were a high school athlete to, you know, working with college players, but then to to going to work with the best of the best at the NFL level and working with absolute physical specimens. I mean, in, and as an athletic trainer, your job is to, you know, you're, you're working hands-on with them, you know, stretching, massaging, doing these things. Like, did, did you ever kind of like Try and, you know, take a minute to just appreciate, like, the the world-class
0: athletes that you were actually working on. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in the daily grind, it's hard to always, like, step back and have that perspective. But um, I, I do think there are definitely times, you know, just even on a be, – just being able to stand as a part of an organization or part of a medical team on an NFL sideline, you know, is – Pretty a pretty unreal experience. I mean, there was a preseason game that we played, um is when Pain Manning was still with the Colts. That you know you got to watch Pain Manning, and it was a it was one quarter of a preseason game, but like yeah. one of the greatest to ever do it. And you're getting to stand right there and and just watch it. And so I I definitely do remember some of those times of um just kind of stepping back and reflecting on like. This is this is pretty, pretty cool experience um, yeah. to, to be able to be a part of it and see see those guys support them, um, try yeah. to help an organization win. Yeah. Memories that'll last a lifetime
1: and an incredible way to start your career. So you worked with the Packers for two years. What ultimately led you to decide to um, pivot towards um, pursuing? Um, physical therapy rather than kind of continuing your athletic training career
0: yeah so when i was there like i was a seasonal intern was so um it was you know kind of every year you weren't uh i don't know how to describe it to people like the nfl is an internship-based league for the most part so you pretty much have to go through being a summer intern um to help out training camp essentially because they have 90 players and they normally only have 53 to take care of. So you just need extra hands. Um, and then that sets you up to then do a seasonal intern where you're essentially a full-time staff member, um, that helps with everything, but you know, it's kind of a position that you're going to leave at some point and do something else, either get a full-time staff position at the team that you're at somewhere else So I always knew um, I was going to go back to physical therapy school um, because I've always really liked the rehab side. And that's really what I wanted to do. And I felt like I needed to expand my knowledge and skill set. And additionally, my mentor in Green Bay was a guy named Pepper Burris, who was um, a New York Jets assistant. And then long time, I forget exactly how many years he was with Green Bay, but I mean, forever he's been there. And so he also kind of was mentoring me with my career. And I did briefly think about like I had some opportunities to stay in the NFL after my seasonal internship and um, was thinking about like, maybe I don't, maybe I just go get like an online master's and then stay in the league. Mm -hmm. Um, And Pep was really the guy that was like, no, Um, at that point, there had just been a lockout. And then new CBA, there was a... Uh, requirement that every team had to have a dual credential athletic trainer, physical therapist on staff. Um, and he was like, I think that's going to be adopted by the rest of the professional sports leagues. And I think it's just going to put a priority on having people that are dual credentialed. So sure. it's like, you need to yeah. go back to school. So,
1: okay. Yeah. I mean, having as, as wide a variety of skill set as possible, it can never be a bad thing. I mean, I think about it from a baseball perspective and the rise of utility players. I mean, you know, you get guys who can play all sorts of different positions and they're very valuable, highly sought after uh, players.
0: So, yeah, no, 100%. And and I also knew it was going to give me um, options. Like, I enjoyed my time there. Um, And I think when I went back to PT school, Initially, it was with a hundred percent goal of getting back into professional sports. But I mean, it's a hard life. Um, I mean, yeah. you know it from the player's perspective. But then you also see the support staff; like they're there way more than you are. Yeah. Um, and at the time, like I wasn't married; I was single. Um, it was fantastic. I had nothing else to do. Uh, but I, I do think even at that point, there's like, well, if all if I only have just my athletic training degree, um, like you're kind of locked into being in a team sports setting. Whereas with physical therapy, it gives me options if that ever wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, mm-hmm. And it ends up that that's yeah. what I decided to <laughs> pursue anyway. So it up being a good call. Yeah.
1: So sure enough, after you uh, finished up your your doctorate's program, um, you, you went on to work at a physical therapy clinic in Minneapolis yep. for what was it, about
0: a year? Yeah, give or take okay. on there. We were students and then we stayed on full time after that.
1: Okay, and then right after that is when you decided to open your own clinic. And um, I guess, you know, I'm curious, like, what was your initial vision for Kinetic? And um, kind of like, what, what did you see um, that athletes needed or patients needed that wasn't necessarily already
0: available? Yeah, so... I, um, when I was in undergrad, um, as an athletic trainer, I actually went and did an internship at a place called at that point it was athletes performance. Now it's called exos. Um, and that was like kind of what I thought was the ideal model to take care of athletes where it was an organization that was founded as like a one-stop shop where, there was strength conditioning on the strength conditioning floor. There was actually treatment tables for the physical therapy. There was no walls. They had nutritionists there. They would bring in chefs. Um, and it was kind of this all encompassing athlete performance wellness space where if you needed rehab, you could see the PTs and then you could go right from there to train, et cetera. And in fact, like a lot of um, professional franchises were starting to remodel facilities after, uh, after like this model. Mm-hmm. And so, I've had that experience in undergrad. I was there for almost 20 weeks during the NFL combine season. Um, and in my mind, it was always like, well, if I don't work in professional sports, then that's what I want to do. Um, fast forward, just like anything, things do change over time. That was a very small place with three um, locations. They took on private equity money. It's now grown into a huge one of the biggest fitness and wellness businesses in the world. And they help a lot of people now, but they don't just do athletes and they're a big business. Um, so it kind of has changed, but I still had that. We had that idea. And when we were looking around, we just saw there's, especially in the Milwaukee area, which was essentially once we decided to open up our own place, um, we learned was my wife was pregnant. We knew we'd, Wanted to be if we're going to start a business, we wanted to be somewhere that we had family around, and also somewhere that we just kind of knew the communities, like because we knew if we were going to get this off the ground, like we needed to know people. We thought it'd be helpful to yeah, know people. Absolutely. Um, so we settled on Milwaukee, and we started looking around. And there's good physical therapy places. Um, there's good physical therapists in Milwaukee. There's good. Uh, but they're not for athletes, you know, they see Mm -hmm. the general public, they might do some athletes on the side, but it's not, you know, it's kind of like a traditional sort of sterile medical model. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there were good gyms around, um, but there weren't at that time really any gyms that had, they might have physical therapists that maybe they're renting space, but they're not like working together. They're not kind of, you know, it's just like there's maybe a bolt on kind of traditional physical therapy clinic to a gym. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that really specialized in athletes. Um, and that was really what we wanted to do. So that was kind of our vision was trying to take. Lauren had been at Marquette as an athletic trainer for seven years. She'd been at Louisville um, previously as a GA. And then with my experience at Marquette and then at, um as part of the, with the Packers, we want to try to create that. Sort of model, or even that athlete's performance type model, but bring it to the Milwaukee area and then make it available to any to anyone.
1: Yeah, I think
0: that's awesome. And until you kind of
1: experience that type of training environment as an athlete, you don't really know what you're missing. I mean, you know, when when you're training and you have the gym that you go to to uh, lift weights, and you have your physical therapy place to go um, you know, for an injury or, and you have a massage therapist, maybe for recovery and a pitching coach facility where you go and work out, like that's just unsustainable and, you know, just a complete headache and nightmare for the athletes. So I would say, you know, my perspective of every time that I've trained with you guys and, and just the overall, um, atmosphere at Kinetic is that that's where you go to develop as an athlete, everything that goes into your development is covered at kinetic. And so I'd say you guys nailed that. And it's, you know, I feel like it just really replicates kind of the pro setting, you know, where where you got everything you need in one place and you're just trying to become
0: the best athlete you can. Yeah. And that's kind of what we say. It's like, um, and we use that as an example, we're just talking to people that, you know, when you were working with us and you were still with the Yankees, it was like, I wanted, we wanted people to come in like a local, a local pro that wanted the off season in, in the Wisconsin area. And be able to just come in and feel like it was, they're in their home club. Like they had, mm-hmm. we have all, we use mostly the same technology, sometimes even slightly better technology than a lot of the professional teams, organizations, D1 places. We're able to like share all the data with those teams and stuff because they're, they're using the same systems that we are. They understand what we're looking at. And it's just like, Hey, guys can come in. They won't miss a beat. We'll take good care of them they can go right back to their team and know what's going on. And that was kind of our model. We're like, Hey, if we can do that, we're like the pros can come in and be like, this feels like home. And then we're just going to do that with the high school kids too. And they might not fully understand how good they have it, but yeah. they're like going to get that same experience. And that was sort of what we wanted to build.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. And I'd say you guys have nailed that. And, and you know, you're giving a, a professional experience to, all athletes that you work
0: with. Yeah. I wish I could have had something like this when I was in high school. We'll, um, we'll try to, you know, maybe, uh, maybe that'll be the next, next kinetic location back in your hometown. <laughs> I don't know if it's quite big enough for that.
1: Um, so, Kinetic serves athletes of all different sports and not just athletes, you know, general population, folks with pain, anyone really. But I think you would agree one of your specialties is baseball. Um, you know, you treated a lot of baseball players over the years. And, um, you know, I, I kind of want to um, dig into maybe how that how that became the case, because um, prior to Kinetic, did you have much experience working with
0: baseball players? Um some um most of it was at that internship at athletes performance, okay um, so when I was there n f l combine season and baseball off season actually line up relatively oh, yeah. well, yeah, so at that facility, um we had some really high level pros, so I mean Texas is a pretty um, yeah there's a lot of good athletes, it's such yeah. a big state, there's just a lot of uh, good athletes, but guys that were off seasoning there, so we had uh man 8 to 10 um like big name mlb bets. um a lot of pitchers and then we had the number 1 overall pick in the draft was with us that year and then um we had several minor league guys it's actually funny the two guys that i um, still really remember their name at the time they were like single a like we didn't kind of think compared to like the big uh studs that yeah. you recognize you sound playing on tv I didn't really think anything of them, but th- there's still two guys that, um, one of them just signed like another $200 million deal. this off season. And they're like, now nah, those two are actually have had some of the longest careers. Wow. So yeah, that was most of my baseball experience. Um, and then, but I'd always loved studying the throwing motion, just all the way through PT school. Um, I did a lot of continuing ed stuff with Mike Reinold, uh, Eric Cressy, and had always just had this huge interest in, I think pitching is like the total body motion, where you really have to look at legs, trunk, arm, mobility, strength, stability, power, explosiveness, like it's kind of everything. So that had always been fascinating to me. So I've done a lot of education around that, even if it wasn't all hands-on. Yeah,
1: that's awesome. awesome. Um, So I'm curious to hear about this from your perspective. Kinetic was scheduled to originally open in the summer of 2018, but in April of 2018, you got a call from the head athletic trainer of the New York Yankees, and he asked you if you'd be willing to take on a pitcher who had recently had Tommy John surgery, which of course was myself. Um, talk to me about that experience, yeah. You know what, what you were thinking, and, and how you think it kind of shaped the trajectory of Kinetic.
0: Yeah, so um I was actually in a continuing education course in um in Minneapolis, still lived there. <laughs> and uh I got a text from my mentor Pepper and he just said uh the text said that you're gonna get a call from New York a New York number as the Yankees head athletic trainer, answer it. <laughs> and so I was like Definitely don't ignore that random yeah. number. <laughs> so I was like, okay, so um answered it talked about it and it's like yeah we can absolutely do it we'd love to help out Uh, he's like when do you and he's like well great when can he start and i was like well when do you want him to start he's like well can you see him monday (laughs) And i was like (laughs) i didn't want to be like no because i don't even live in wisconsin yet (laughs) so i was like no the earliest i could see him was i picked the date, it was a Monday, and I knew the movers were picking up our stuff on the Saturday before. So I was like, I can see him on this date. And he's like, Great, schedule everything. Um, I then hung up, called my wife, and was like, Hey, sorry. <laughs> but uh, this is what's happening. And I'd already negotiated the lease with. Um, where our office was going to be with the guys in brx which is funny because that's where you train before Mm -hmm. all this and then so i immediately emailed them we're like hey uh would you be open to me starting the lease two months early and yeah it was a chaotic thing i drove back i got the office set up any of you guys that have been in that office like i there's that big cabinet that's in there. I like built that by myself, which is surprisingly hard to build a six foot uh cabinet, get it set up and all that. So one weekend, then drove back, met the movers. Uh my son actually had a little minor surgical procedure. Um uh, then stayed at the hospital with him, drove back and then saw you on Monday. And uh in terms of how it shaped the trajectory, I mean. Um I wasn't going to pass up the opportunity because it was what just the type of work that I knew we want to do, and it was a chance of like this was our vision I didn't necessarily think we were going to put it to the test or be able to do it with our first patient um but I wasn't going to miss it, and I had confidence that we could do a good job and really deliver um you know, I think it definitely gave us credibility in that um in that gym just because people you know kind of knew who you were they saw us working together they assumed that if i was working with you i knew what i was Mm -hmm. doing (laughs) so i do think it helped but we've never with any of the pros that we've worked with we always it's like a fine line i mean we we really respect people's privacy and like we don't want to we don't like like over promoting some of the stuff that we do. Um, we want to do high quality work with anybody. And I'm just as proud of like your rehab as I am of the high school kids that we've done. And so I, but I do think that undoubtedly it, it built kind of street credibility, especially in that, in that gym, which was largely baseball players. And so that um, definitely got us going down the baseball specialty route.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, from a player's perspective, there's a lot of, physical therapists out there, trainers, coaches who really don't understand all the nuances of baseball. I mean, like you mentioned, it's it's a highly complex movement, um, you know, so many different factors at play when you're talking about how the body organizes itself to throw 95 miles an hour and the stresses that it puts on your body, the all the different injuries. I mean, you know, Tommy John is obviously the most common arm injury, but you've got toe to toe to head you know any any sort of injury um so i'm curious like what what sort of things have you learned through working directly with players that maybe you didn't learn in school or you know in a traditional sort of pt environment things that really could only be learned through experience
0: yeah i mean it's uh it's interesting like i've learned a ton i probably learned more about baseball from the days that you and Steve and Evan and Brian Keller and Connor would just be sitting outside our office, you know, getting, giving all of yourselves the yips, like talking about, uh, <laughs> We're good at that. yeah, talking about mechanics and how you grip pitches. And, um, I mean, I, I learned a ton from you guys just talking about that stuff. Um, I think like throughout my career and, you know, every as a young student, everyone keeps telling you like, "Oh, you need repetitions, you need repetitions, you need experience." And I think the it is true. And I, I kind of like hate hearing about it as a student, but I think what I've realized from treating so many baseball players is that you start seeing these patterns of like, you know, what we call like I with our within our staff when we talk about is like mailboxing players, like. You've got guys that tend to be tight. You've got guys that tend to lose motion or hypermobile guys. And you start seeing these different things and you start trying these different strategies with these different body types. And you start then being like, okay, that that doesn't work well with this type of player. I, but this really helped solve that issue. And so then you just get better at now someone walks in through our assessment. and am just like, you remind me of... So and so we're gonna go down this route and try to treat it um, and so I think that that's something that like literally has just only happened from treating I don't even know how many um pitchers at yeah. this point. yeah, I, I mean, you see enough
1: guys, you're gonna kind of start to to see those patterns at play um and I guess, like, do you think it's possible for for pitchers to maybe begin to identify these patterns in themselves before they actually get to the point where they
0: have to work with you yeah i i actually do it's something that we talk about uh, with a lot of players because we especially like we work with a lot of they were high school players sometimes when we started but now they're off at school so like just in the last week i've had three separate phone calls with three players that are back at school and kind of dealing with something right now. And we're just trying to, it's hard to, we can't do anything hands on or, but they just want to get our input or advice. Um, and something that I talk to a lot of players about is being very intentional with your routine and being very like present and in the moment and thinking about how does this feel when I feel good? How does this feel when I – and then is something different, um, Um, if that makes sense. And so, like, as an easy starting spot for pitchers, it's like finding something to sort of self-assess your mobility as part of your warm-up. And if you find that, like, hey, after I throw, that my warm-up is way more difficult or, like, this one motion, like, I really struggle to get my arm up overhead. Okay, you're starting to go down towards that, um, like, you are a player that's probably going to get tight and you probably need to do more on that maintenance side, right? If we, if you're a player that never experiences that, but you, um, you know, you maybe actually pick up motion or just have a hard time controlling that, then you can go in a different direction. So I think that that's the easiest way is to get consistent with a routine and don't just do it like, pay attention to it, and think about like, does this feel harder today than it did yesterday? Or do I, I normally feel this in this area and today I'm feeling it in a different spot. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, that's a, that's like a warning sign. That's a clue of something that you should be doing differently or working on. Yeah. I think especially for young players, it's
1: difficult to be proactive with that type of stuff. I mean, when you're young and the game is just fun and you know, you could pitch every day if you, if you really needed to, you you don't really think about how you're going to feel in the future or what you're doing, how it's going to affect, you know, affect your your future outlook or your body. But once you start to kind of go through those injuries and I've learned that through experience, you really um, begin to um, get more in tune with your body and, and you're just constantly self assessing, like, how do I feel today and why? And that's when you really start to, make progress as far as like learning your routine, learning, um, you know, what you need to do to prepare yourself. Um, so I guess kind of shifting gears here a little bit. Um, I know you you have players who will come to you with an injury and kind of expect you to do something that that gets them right or back on the field, you know, in the, in the snap finger. And, um, you know, I'm sure that's that's frustrating for you, but I think it kind of just highlights the um, the fact that athletes always want to pursue the quickest recovery possible. Yeah. And oftentimes that is not the best option for them. So, um, you know, kind of like what advice do you, do you normally give to athletes who are really expecting quick results or always want to pursue like the quickest possible treatment plan?
0: Yeah, we really try to... Um talk about the long-term and like what your big picture goal is. And so I'll use a non-baseball example to just kind of illustrate what I'm talking about. But we we had two female basketball players that both tore their ACL at the same time and had surgery about the same time. One was, uh, they were both seniors in high school. One was a top 10 player in the country, was already committed to a top four school uh, honestly has a future if she ever wants to of probably being a, a WNBA player the other was a starter on her varsity team with a chance to go to state that uh, had no interest in playing basketball beyond high school just wanted to have one more year with her friends to compete before she went to college and live the rest of her life um one actually the, the girl that was kind of the the stud, that was the, the star, was probably farther along in her rehab than the girl that just wanted to get back and play high school basketball. But she actually ended up redshirting an entire year because the school was on board. They were really interested in the long run, so she didn't play her freshman year. Even though she passed a return to play test, it just lined up with her long-term goals better and her family's better, that they didn't want to rush it and risk an injury. The other girl, we actually, you know, there are occasions that we're very stringent on a return to play criteria, but there are times that's like, effectively we're going to end your career if we don't let you play. And as long as you're aware of the risks and understand it, um, you know, we're as long as we're on the same page, mm-hmm. then we can sometimes make decisions that we wouldn't otherwise make. And so we, she ended up going back and playing. Um, and, but it, it's with that long-term outlook that you have to make decisions. And, um, and that's why there's no one like cookie cutter approach. And so when we start meeting with players, we, in the first email, we always ask them like, what's your goal, right? Because if your goal is to play college baseball or to play, try to set yourself up to play professionally, then like, honestly, we need to, Do things differently than if you just want to get back and, and have a blast with your buddies, like it's a different level. So when we, when we meet with freshmen, sophomore, et cetera, like there's no tournament that's worth a year of rehab. Like there's no one date that's worth missing an extended period of time. Like it's all about trying to get you as healthy and performing as good as you can your junior summer. Right. If you want to play in college. Yeah. Um, And so like, I'm not saying your freshman year doesn't matter. It's a huge development time. Like it's absolutely super important, but we're going to sacrifice every tournament if we have to, to not have you, you know, not be ready for that time.
1: Yeah. No, that's, I think that that's spot on is kind of just the importance of assessing the individual goals and outlook. And I remember my very first uh, session with you, we had a long discussion about you know what what I wanted to to do post surgery. You know, like obviously, you know, we probably both assumed that I wanted to return to the major leagues. But I remember you you really talked me through like how how that process was going to look, and you know, really set the expectations right from the beginning that it wasn't going to be a quick process, and that. We were going to have to focus on all these different aspects of rehab, um, which I think that's, in my opinion, that's one thing that you guys do um, that's probably much different than other PT clinics is you don't only treat the site of the injury. You treat the entire body. You you work on developing the athlete as a whole. Um, Is that kind of does that align with like your overall philosophy as far as like how you how you view athletes?
0: Yeah. It's one of our core values is that we treat the whole athlete. Right. And, um, we, you know, it's, you're more like you're more than an injury and you're more than just one body part, like, and your lifestyle habits, your goals, um, what you do outside of my office is going to impact your recovery and your outcome. And so, um, You know, and I really, we really do believe in biomechanics, the kinetic chain. You know, I think the farther away, like your big toe being why your shoulder hurts, like, I think we can take it a little too far at specific times, but um, we could look at research study after research study that does show, hey, poor single leg squat technique increases stress on your arm while you're throwing, or, um, you know, there's just so many different things that do play a role in that. So um, we see all that. We also just see a general deconditioning of athletes during the rehab process. They're typically kind of coddled um, historically where it's like they're fragile. Like don't don't break them. Don't push them too hard. Don't, you know, no soreness, no anything. And, and that's not what they're going back to, right? Like they're going back to, especially in your instance, like To go back at a major league level, um, you know, you're going back to push the arm. Um, And if we just baby it the whole time, we're just setting you up for failure. We're sending you back out there underprepared. And so that's something that's definitely a core value, like whether it's working with us or um, working with trying to partner with strength conditioning coaches or whatever the case may be. But just making sure that the athlete is training hard during their rehab process in a safe way is absolutely in my opinion, critical to a good outcome. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think, you know, your, your success of, of helping athletes return to their prior level of competition kind of um, speaks to to that core philosophy and the success that it's had. Another uh, aspect of, of rehab that I think is very underappreciated and not talked about much is the mental side of rehab. And that's something that you really helped guide me through personally in my rehab. And, um, you know, I think you would probably agree that is almost every bit as important as the physical side of the development is like how how is your mental health during the rehab process because it can be a really dark and lonely time for a lot of of athletes,
0: so um you want to just talk about that a little bit? yeah, um I mean, your brain is so powerful, and um you know for athletes that are injured, they've lost their purpose, they've lost their outlet, typically their friendships their. I mean, for you, like your career is dependent on your recovery, but you know, for high school kids or college kids, your future goals, dreams, like trying to get a scholarship, whatever the case may be. So there's just a lot of things that are going on and I'm definitely not like a mental health professional. Um, and so if we, you know, we do have people that, that specialize in that, that if we refer out, but what we try to do is keep athletes positive and focused and engaged and, um, we you know i think the easiest way to do it for us is with goal setting and um, keeping you focused on the process and so we we are very criteria driven where we use a lot of objective measurements and it helps us with what we're doing and to decide what do we do and when is an athlete ready to do whatever the next step of their rehab is but i think one of the like underrated things about it or that we don't always fully appreciate is how much it helps on the mental side to be like, here's the goal, right? Here's what we're doing. Everything that you're doing in the gym is about like hitting this goal. This is the purpose. And then it gives you guys that are goal-oriented day in and day out of like, I'm trying to throw this hard or I'm trying to get this many strikeouts or win this game or win a conference championship, whatever the case may be, we can redirect that and keep you focused on that like positive outlook um, and then like feel those wins, like where it's mm-hmm. like, Hey, I, I did this, you get that kind of sense of pride and adrenaline rush, like nowhere near like striking somebody out to win a game in Yankee stadium or something, but in its own way, like it does keep you going. So, yeah, I think, you know, athletes being
1: competitive by nature, just having goals to, to compete for is huge. And, and like you said, just staying positive and upbeat, those to me are, are the main drivers of, of, you know, doing well in the rehab and kind of keeping your mind straight. Yeah. Um, great stuff, Michael. Let's let's finish off with uh, a few just quick hitter questions. Um, if you could go back in time 10 years, um, what what sort of advice would you give yourself in regards to your career as a PT?
0: Yeah, I uh, I knew you were going to ask something like this. Um, <laughs> You know, I think I didn't fully appreciate as a younger professional, for sure, as a student, just how important, like, people skills in general were going to be. And, like, not that I didn't have good people skills, but um, being able to manage conflict, being able to clearly communicate goals and expectations, dealing with difficult situations, having hard conversations sometimes and then just building buy-in and trust through communication and relationships um i think it's something that now i think is probably the most i mean you have to have good clinical skills don't get me wrong but i mean when i'm looking at hiring pts now it's like man i can teach you how to be a good therapist like i can i can mentor you i can give you the skills i can't teach some of the soft skills and um i think that that's something that I developed as I went, but would have probably been better as a younger clinician if I would have focused on it earlier. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: And I would imagine those types of skills are even more important as a business owner. Um, you know, you have very two, two very different roles at kinetic, you know, you're, you're the owner and the founder of the business, and you're also a physical therapist there. Um, how do you kind of structure your day? And like, do you prefer
0: any either one of those types of roles over the other? Yeah. So, I mean, when we opened, I really had no idea that it was going to, that we would have as much as we could. And honestly, um, my first goal was to be able to have a job for myself essentially. And then once it started getting a little better, it's like, okay, maybe this could be a good job for my wife and I, um, And that was kind of all we thought, but we just kept growing and helping more people. And uh, now my main motivation is honestly to keep growing so that I can, uh, we've got an amazing staff of talented PPs. And the more I want to keep providing really good, high quality jobs for these awesome people that were kind of like me, that this didn't exist. And I probably honestly, if there was something like this, I would have never opened my own business. Um, And so that's, What motivates me now is like, hey, if I can keep growing this business, I can keep providing more and more of these jobs. All those therapists now get to go um, and do more and more um, work, help more and more athletes. So um, now most of my time is primarily spent on the business side. Um, I don't... I am still, I do still actively see patients, but I don't really take new patients anymore unless it's like a favor for someone. I mostly am just um, like, I see a lot of the same people that I've seen from the last four or five years that, um, you know, they come back in town for Christmas break or over the summer and want to get in, or I've I work with some golfers. Um, and so that's kind of, I try to block my time to, focus on specific things so that if I'm with patients, that I'm really focusing on the patients and I'm not, I'm trying not to think about anything on the business side, that I'm 100% in that. And then when I'm working on the business, I try very hard to protect my time so that I'm actually focused on growing the business and doing what I need to be doing that time. Um, and that's kind of how I try to structure my weeks. Uh, Lauren and I have tried to have a philosophy of, like we want to hire people that are smarter than us. And so I had a call with a dad today that wanted to, you know, they got my name from somebody. And like, honestly, and I mean this completely sincerely, I think in this case, it was Brett, my PT, is a better, like, he's he's 100% a better therapist than I am right now. like, And I will do it if you really feel like you need to. But I'm telling you, like, if it was my son and I had this injury. I would take him to see, but <laughs> <Wow. laughs> it takes a lot of humility to say that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's kind of how, that's how my days structured. But I was not, yeah. I was not inherently entrepreneurial. Like I wasn't the kid selling Pokemon cars on the playground. Um, I really just wanted to be a good clinician and I've had to learn the entrepreneurial business side. And now I do. I really, I really do enjoy it. Um, I'm still super involved on the clinical side in terms of mentoring our staff, um, helping with our treatment protocols, and everyone bounces we we work like very um communally or colleg- uh, collegially <laughs> <Kind> of- <laughs>
1: colloquially <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know, know.
0: <laughs> we work as a team very well, yeah <laughs> um, and so I think because I get to stay involved with those questions, like every day someone will bring me something like, hey, have you seen this before? This is what I'm thinking or what do you think about this? Um, It keeps me involved without actually doing like I may not be doing the patient care, but I'm still very involved in it. And so then I don't miss it quite as much. Um, I think if I just ran a business and didn't do anything on the physical therapy side, I don't think I'd enjoy that that much.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I think your growth. The the clinic's growth is just a testament to your priorities being, um, you know, really really structured well. In in that, you know, your main priority is to help your patients and and provide jobs and opportunities for other really smart PTs to to do the same and the growth of your clinic has just been a byproduct of that. And I'm sure there's some business lessons in there to take away somewhere, you know, not putting the cart before the horse or something like that, you know, do, do everything the right way. But, um, where can people find you? You have any sort of personal, um, social medias where people could, you know, follow
0: you personally apart from kinetic? I do. I, um, I do have a Facebook. Um, I I think, I don't know how you find people on Facebook these (laughs) days. Like Michael Falk is on there. Okay. Um, I don't actively post that much. Um, It'd all be really personal. Um, It'd be pictures of my son probably posted by my wife mostly. Um, I I do have an Instagram account, Michael Falk, DPT. Um, I don't post a lot. I keep saying I'm going to post more. I'm really trying to sort through this, like, I feel like I'm too attached to my phone um, because I run the business almost from my phone. Yeah. That then I don't do that much personally, but I, I do want to share more stuff on there about whether it's my training or things that I'm learning stuff that I'm working on. So um, yeah. I read a lot and I want to share some of that in my thoughts through there. So yeah, I do have that Instagram account, not super active right <laughs> now, but yeah, he, no. you know, keep following, and it might be <laughs> yeah. getting more active hey, as we go. That's
1: fair. But, uh, you know, I think I, I've had the the privilege of becoming a friend of yours and, you know, learning, learning about your outlook on life and, you know, just talking to you about everyday things. And, um, you know, I can say anybody who has the opportunity to meet you could could benefit from you and um, you're You're a great guy, good friend, and just thank you for the opportunity to sit down and and talk with you about this. Yeah,
0: no, this was great. uh, It was a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to uh, you, you know, maybe jumping on and hosting some more baseball podcasts for us going forward. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of fun.
1: Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Let me know how I did in my uh, podcast hosting debut.
0: All right. Thanks, Ben. Yeah. Hey, wait a minute. Are you a baseball player that's getting ready for your season right now? Do you wanna learn what it takes to keep your arm healthy and perform at a high level all season long? Let's face it, injuries and arm injuries in particular are only expanding in baseball right now. If you get hurt, it is going to impact your development, your ability to compete and help your team, as well as just the fun of playing the sports you love with your teammates and friends. We have a free online mini course that goes through exactly what you need to do to prepare your arm and to keep your arm healthy all season long. You can find this course and sign up at the link in our bio on Instagram at kinetic underscore SMP or in the show notes to this podcast on any of your major podcast platforms. Hit that link, sign up to get access to the course today.